welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and here with me is my co-host. I'm Jason Harris. I am a comedian, a filmmaker, and a carnival barker. I could totally see you being a carnival barker, actually. That's, that's, uh... Let me guess your weight, fella! Yeah, is that what the barkers do? They guess your weight? Come up, step right up, play a game, throw a dot at a balloon, or a ball into a... That was always the toughest one, where you had to throw the ball into, like, the uh, cup or the hoop, but, like, they made made it so small, but it looked like it was normal. Yeah, it's all rigged. It is all rigged. I mean, you can't really rig a dart going into... I'm sure you can somehow. But I got the voice, see? Right, that's what I meant. You got the presence. You can do it. So in this season, we have been talking about the films of 1989, and we are at our season finale already. Time has flown. It's amazing. The third season. I never thought we would get through one episode. And here we are, (laughs) three seasons later. Amazing. Did you just think we were going to start our first episode of the first season, like The Lion King, and like 20 minutes and be like, you know what? This isn't working for me. I feel like how many podcasts launch and then they go maybe like two, three episodes and then people get exhausted and they don't follow up with it. I've definitely had a few in my belt. Yes, you have. I've read articles about it and it most podcasts do not make it past a couple episodes. So you guys are doing great. Thanks, Thanks, Dave. Dave. Dave, the podcasting guru, giving us some support. As we've done in our previous season finales, for this episode, we came up with an audience choice poll. We gave our listeners three choices in the category of blockbuster sequels. They were Back to the Future Part 2, Ghostbusters 2, and our winner, Lethal Weapon 2, which was a little surprising to me. I was surprised. Honestly, I would have figured that one would have come in third. Yeah, I would have too. I feel like those other two are so iconic and are always being talked about is, I mean, we've got a Ghostbusters, a new version of that coming up and they keep trying to make another Back to the Future, but I guess the original creators won't allow it because then good for them. But Lethal Weapon seems like something that's been more forgotten. I don't Apparently not. No, they got that TV show. That's true. They did. Yeah. And supposedly there's always a Lethal Weapon 5 that's going to come out. You know? Right, right. So I, I, I clearly underestimated the interest. Of course, you know, we don't get a huge number of votes in this. So it no, was pretty close. that's not true. We got, we got massive. Double digit votes this yeah, time? Yeah, it was, it, if it was on the Shadow app, it would have been Iowa all over again. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know the numbers exactly, but it was still it was fairly close. It was it was within a margin of of maybe three or four votes at most. One other reason is people seem to and we'll discuss it. But a lot of people, you know, when you talk about sequels that are better than the original, a lot of people say Lethal Weapon 2 is one of them. Yeah. And I think maybe that's what it is, that if it was the original Back to the Future and the original Ghostbusters, there maybe would have been a lot more interest than in the sequels. I, uh, yeah, but I, but so there again is an issue though, because the original Lethal Weapon would, if it was up to, if you were like ranked the top five action movies of all time, it would be in my top five. Wow. That first one is amazing, I think. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm just saying, like, compared to Back to the Future and Ghostbusters, I think it's not nearly as big a deal. Yeah. Although, as we said, they're about to make the fifth one, supposedly. That is true. But, I mean, it's and, obviously something that's still interesting. And to me, it's a big deal because you're the Murtaugh to my rigs, buddy. Okay. <laughs> now Tell you, me if you're I'm suicidal. Too I'm too old for this shit. I'm too old for this podcasting <laughs> shit. Um, 
It was part of this huge. 1989 was like the season, the year of the 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 blockbuster sequel. Uh, I mean, you look at the box office for a lot of the year, and it looks like the box office now with so many franchise properties making huge amounts of money. We were saying when we were kind of coming up with this season that, um, and another one was 1984, that this is a landmark blockbuster year, 1975, 77 again, right? And then I think 84 and 89 were huge years. And this might have, this is probably the... uh, franchisiest of all those years, right? Right. It's not only a huge year for blockbusters, but it really, again, marks that kind of thing like we see now where everything is a franchise, not to the degree that it is now, but so many of the biggest movies were things like Lethal Weapon 2 and Back to the Future 2 and Ghostbusters 2 and Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade or even Batman that we talked about in our Box Office Champ episode wasn't a sequel, but it was a franchise property. And as we said in that, Indiana Jones was actually the Box Office Champ. What did we say? Batman was worldwide? Batman was in North America and Indiana Jones was worldwide. Yeah, Yeah. so there you go. Both of those were huge. And with Lethal Weapon, it was another one where in North America it was like, number three in North America and number six worldwide. Yeah, it didn't do as well world. I mean, it still did incredibly yeah. well. It mm. grossed it grossed $227.9 million worldwide on a budget of 30 million. So, I mean, which was a good size budget at the time, but that's still a huge oh, profit that it made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was the third highest grossing movie in North America. And I believe you're right, the sixth highest grossing worldwide. And the original was a $15 million budget with $120.2 million return on it. So this made... $100 million more than the last one. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess that shows you, one, how beloved the first one was, and two, how good the word of mouth on this one is. Yeah, this was certainly a movie that was very well-received by audiences at the box office, and and mostly by critics. It was even nominated for an Oscar for Best Sound Editing, um, which is one of the categories where blockbusters often get nominated, and it lost to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, wow. another blockbuster. And if we can put in one more of uh, a link, a uh-huh. link in the chain. Jason's making a finger gesture for linking, yes. Both written by Jeffrey Boehm. I, I noted that down as well. He had quite a year in 1989. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. And as we were just saying, it was very well received by audiences. It got an A+, which is a rare grade from CinemaScore, the audience polling service. And that was also the best CinemaScore of any Lethal Weapon movie. It was the most well-liked. Wacky. Wacky indeed. And mostly critics liked it as well. Uh, Siskel and Ebert were split on it. Siskel gave it a thumbs down. Ebert gave it a thumbs up. But even Siskel was kind of marginal about it, and he had certain things that he liked. Uh, He even suggested that Joe Pesci should be nominated for an Oscar for this movie. Well, it wasn't too much uh, after this that he was, and I think he won, right, from my cousin. Right, yeah, 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 for a comedy performance. And actually, it's interesting because in the segment, Siskel talks about how comedy performances sometimes will only get, will get supporting actor nominations and not lead actor nominations or wins. And that's why Pesci might have a chance here. But of course, that was not the case with my cousin Vinny. And, you know, we we think back of uh, Joe Pesci and we were talking about it uh, uh, recently, I guess, not on the podcast because there was no reason we, to talk we, about we, it. We talk sometimes podcast. outside of the podcast. Yeah, because we're, we're friends in real life. Let's pull back that curtain yeah. there. You don't, you know, people don't really, I don't think he gets the credit for the comedic prowess he had as an actor, right? I Home mean, Alone, Home Alone 2. He's hilarious in Home Alone. And, you know, yeah. I mean, My Cousin Vinny is. Yeah, that's, that's his, a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. The Super. 
I haven't seen the super, but <laughs> it wasn't very uh, good. I love the super back. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Was it I don't know how it holds up. Gone fishing. Was he in that? Oh or? my God. Eight heads in a duffel bag. Not, maybe that's the one I was thinking. He of, might be but... in both of those. So yeah, now we've just ruined the point that you were trying to No, make but there. he, but you know, imagine if like we could say, you know, he probably, and also he was, I mean, Goodfellas, he's really funny in Goodfellas. Yeah, there are, that's there are not funny, a comedic right, right. But, but because he's funny, that's part of what makes his performance scary yeah. in other parts of that movie because he seems jovial and then all of a sudden. Right. And now I don't think we're talking about, hey, remember when Robert De Niro did those great comedy movies? You know, yeah, so. they, they, we will not talk about that because yeah. it's not true. He, well, he's funny. The king of comedy is funny. Okay. You know? yeah. Um. Yeah, Joe Pesci, uh, of course, along with Danny Glover and Mel Gibson returning as Riggs and Murtaugh in this film. So Roger Ebert said in his written review, Lethal Weapon 2 is that rarity, a sequel with most of the same qualities as the original. In a summer of anemic retreads like Ghostbusters 2, Star Trek V The Final Frontier, and The Karate Kid Part 3, I walked into the movie with a certain dread but this is a film with the same off-center invention and wild energy as the original. Lethal Weapon 2 was directed by Richard Donner, who also made the first film and whose credits include the first and best Superman movie. Unlike a lot of directors specializing in high-tech action comedies, he doesn't seem exhausted or cynical. There's an alertness to his scenes and a freshness to the dialogue by Jeffrey Boehm. This doesn't seem like a sequel, but like a movie in which new discoveries are always possible. And I think he's overrating it. I would agree. I think their chemi- the, the chemistry between the two leads is so good that maybe it's a little trickery in that you, you see yeah. like, a, wow, these guys really are learning something new about each other. But it's, um, I agree with you. Yeah, Josh. new discoveries seems to be uh, too much. But I also did appreciate this is the second episode in which some critic has described an aspect of a film uh, as alert. We had uh, yeah. Christian Slater's yeah. alert performance yeah. in Gleaming the Cube and now the alert direction of Richard Donner yeah. in Lethal Weapon 2. And, and, you know, I mean, maybe because Donner is like, you know, a major figure as a director. Yeah. Maybe he would have even been even more major if he was able to make a film while sleeping. Because <laughs> I don't think <laughs> yeah. we've ever seen Scorsese or Spielberg. No, no, that. I'm not sure how many. Maybe I think Clint Eastwood probably has done that. <laughs> <laughs> the last few. Yeah. <laughs> the rem collection yes (laughs) karen james in the new york times said almost everything about lethal weapon 2 signals that this is silly fun from mr gibson's penchant for jumping on the tops of moving cars to the jokey way the song knocking on heaven's door plays on the soundtrack in a scene when it looks as if someone has been shot too often despite their violence films like lethal weapon and die hard are our equivalent of old school shoot 'em up westerns and the bodies covered in movie blood are just notches on some hero's gun. So it comes as a disturbing jolt when Lethal Weapon 2 raises the stakes at the end, as if this cartoon violence is no longer enough. Because the South African villains have diplomatic immunity, the story is neatly set up for the moment when Riggs and Murtaugh get to toss away their badges and turn into vigilantes. It is chilling to see these two comic good guys become Charles Bronson. And I wanted to include that because I felt like that was one of my hugest problems with this movie is that it's like way too violent and sadistic. And it goes from like, at the end, I wasn't rooting for Riggs and Murtaugh anymore. I just thought they were murderers. Well, the fr- I think the first one is more in line with that. And this one got away from it and then got back to it. 
And personally, I like the first one. Yeah. You know, where it is more violent and, you know, sadistic. I think it earns that more in the first one, though, totally. because of the emotional state of the Riggs character where he's suicidal and he doesn't care whether he lives or dies. Yeah. And now he's supposedly well adjusted and it's, it's all jokey, jokey, jokey until all of a sudden he's just like murder, murder, murder. Well, they kill his girlfriend and then he found out that they killed his yeah, wife. Which from was the first one. So excessive and, and, and idiotic. Yeah. But. So, I mean, but that would be fair motivation to get back to a state of wanting. Yeah. To but I didn't buy it. Also, what scene is she talking about? The only scene I could think of with knocking on heaven's door is after Riggs is, you know, shot uh, in the big third act there. Yeah. And I don't think that was done tongue-in-cheek at all. I think, literally, I mean, they said they shot it to make you think he was going to die, and then they were they basically decided, oh, the audience likes it when he right. lives. He's so. got to live for the sequel. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe she's misinterpreting that. Yeah. Um, but I think her larger point about the tone, which is maybe pulled off more consistently in the first one, to it, me, that bothered It me. definitely is, and I think, um, you know, it's something to discuss because I kind of was trudging through the first two thirds of this and I like act three so much more than the first. Oh yeah. See, I, I mean, well, we'll, we'll get into that more, but that's not quite how I felt. Finally, Michael Wilmington in the Los Angeles times said the movie is keyed up hyper. The action scenes are outrageously overscaled with 10 times more firepower than seems necessary. If there's a car chase through downtown Los Angeles, Riggs will chase the car up a freeway ramp on foot. The only wonder is if he doesn't catch it. Lethal Weapon 2 has the brain-rattling pace of a terminal speed freak going the wrong way down an expressway. When people get angry at each other, they don't swear or fight. They drop a dumpster on somebody, or blow up their house at a poker game, or hitch up a truck and chain and pull their house off a hillside. It is over the top, which is the point, I guess. Two of those three scenes are very memorable. You know, the dumpster and the, the, the house hitcher. Uh, yes. And you didn't think the poker game. I mean, it was part of a montage. Yeah. I thought the more memorable one was right before where the female cop dives off her diving board. The diving board blows up. Yeah. Yeah. I I got a really good laugh out of that one. (laughs) It's not meant to be funny though. Or it's, it's, it's unclear whether it's meant to be funny. And that's part of the problem. Also, I, you know, like it just shows again, how the films have evolved where it's like this breakneck speed of shoot them up action, bam, bams. And it's like, uh, I want to see a review of Crank or something right. like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it is it is a relentless film. I mean, it opens mid-car chase, and it doesn't really let up. Again, I feel like you have to put it in context with the first one, which, you know, had a very, an excellent car chase. And this well, I'm, is, I'm not you know, kind of, re, you know, we're putting the same puzzle pieces in. No uh, pun intended, oh, Dave. I like that. Piecing it together. Of, yes, Dave, my puzzle piece for Lethal Weapon 2 is Lethal, lethal weapon. weapon. <laughs> yeah. Nice I'll, job. I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Jeremy's uh, iron. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so had you seen this one before, Jason? Yeah, I think I saw this one first out of the lethal weapon. Yeah, the whole series. Yeah, and I had a pretty good recollection of it. Uh huh. And I hadn't seen the original Lethal Weapon. I, I until later, you know, sometime over the last fifteen years 20 years whatever who knows mm-hmm. who can keep track of where time is yes but um and then i rewatched both coming into this podcast and i'm glad i did because it's put them both in perspective for yeah me. that's yeah. that's fair and, um did you, you did you like it at the time though yeah i really did like were it you at were the like time. a kid when you saw it? i think so a teenager yeah. maybe yeah you know the golden the golden golden videos yes right? uh, yeah and what about you 
you know, see, this is weird. Like, I think I said to you before we were planning this that I had not seen it before. And I had remembered watching the original Lethal Weapon not that long ago. It was a few years ago, right before the Lethal Weapon TV series premiered. Was that the first time you saw that? And that was the first time I saw that because I specifically watched it because I was going to write about the TV show and I wanted to get that background. And I could have sworn that I had never seen this um, and that the only other one that I had previously seen like in its original release was Lethal Weapon 4, which I saw in theaters like my parents took me to see for some reason. Um, yeah, and you were like 30. Right, exactly. Yeah, it was a while. It was a later movie, but it was a while. It was a while ago still. Hey, you can still go to the movies with your parents. That's true. I still go to the movies with my mom sometimes. So watching this, I was sure I had never seen it. And then we got to the, the scene with the bomb on the toilet with Murtaugh sitting on the toilet. And I was like, I have definitely seen. Because in fact, as I was watching, I was remembering, oh, there's a scene with a toilet bomb in one of these movies. And that must be in the fourth one because that's the one I've seen before. But Maybe I saw this and I totally forgot it. Ah, yeah. Well, this does have many um, iconic scenes that could bring back that sense of nostalgia, the popping the shoulder out of place right. and, and, uh, underwater and, you know, the, the house hitch that we talked about. And, uh, some of Riggs's <laughs> jumping off the onto the semis, you know, on the highway and the mountains and everything like that. So. I could, I, maybe you've seen pieces of it. Yeah, it's know. possible I saw that on TV at some point. This is the kind of thing that was probably on, you know, TNT and USA dozens of times for years and years. So I, my answer to that is, I really don't know. But you watched it. But I watched it again, of course, this time. And I watched parts of the original as well. I didn't have enough time and I felt like I'd seen it fairly recently, but I did want to refresh my memory a bit. So um, I, I watched enough of it that I felt like I could, uh, you know, remember what it was like. But uh, of course, I watched the movie that we're talking about in this podcast. Well, that's good. And Dave watched it, too. He yeah, did? just watched it on, while you guys were on your way over here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Um, when was the last time you had seen? I loved these movies as a kid, and I honestly can't remember. Like I must have been like 15 or something the last time I saw it. And what about Lethal Weapon, the original one? Same? Yeah, I think I like them all. They kind of all run together for me, you know, as one big thing. They do. Know? And I wonder... Had I not watched the original this week, if I would have enjoyed this one more, which we can talk about when we come back with our general thoughts on Lethal Weapon 2. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year in this episode. In fact, the season finale of our CEO, oh, Jason has something to say. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> our season on the films of 1989. We're talking about our audience choice winner, Lethal Weapon 2. And as Jason indicated there, Leo Getz, huge part of this film. Leo Getz, Joe Pesci. Leo gets what he wants, right? Whatever you want, Leo Whatever, gets. yeah. Not what I, he wants. Well, he I, gets what he wants. I too, remember I the first time I saw it, I thought he was very hilarious. And then this time I was like, man, he's annoying. He really is. Which is part of the character. But he grows on you. By the end, you're like, ah, Leo Getz. You're all right. I hope to see you in three more of these. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, maybe by the end, I was like, okay, I'm all right with Leo Getz, I guess. But knowing that he kept coming back and got more annoying uh, made me like him a little less. Yeah, that, but people must love him if they keep, they keep bringing him back. Right? Yeah, well, obviously, he was a, a breakout here. And I mean, I think his function, and this is what was interesting to me, even just watching bits of the original again, is that 
the whole dynamic in the original is the idea of Briggs and Murtaugh being antagonistic toward each other. Right. And because by the end of that movie, they bond and now they're friends. And that's even reinforced so much more at the beginning He's of this He's basically living with them. Right. He's essentially a member of the family. So they need a new person to be their antagonist. And that's why we get Leo Getz. And I think that's fair because the other way to do it is like, oh, we had a falling out in the... Remember, this was only two years after right. that. So it's like, you know... Um, you know, I, in the first one, they make it so the uh, daughter who's now in the condom commercial, you know, it has a crush on uh, Riggs. So I could have seen them do something like that where like, you know, like you were flirting with my daughter. Like, yeah, but that's know. like everything with the daughter is just so ill-advised and uncomfortable <laughs> that that would have been way worse. Well, I'm not, I'm just saying if you were going to make a conflict between those two, that's an easier. That could have been. Yeah. But I mean, I think you're right that you don't want to see the falling out. We spent that whole first movie seeing them bond and become friends in a way that was convincing that we don't want them to break up, so to speak. But I don't know how on board I am with Leo Getz. I, I, but the thing is, and again, with the first one, it's done so well, so, so well that it's like, you know, um, I agree that the relationship has to kind of stay in this friendship area in the second one. But there's there's zero conflict between those two guys and like you said the whole first one is this i i I don't know it's not antagonistic as much as it's just uh you know oh we're partners and i'm too old and you're crazy type right i mean there's a lot of moments where they they don't get along yeah Yeah. they have different points of view they have to kind of come around to appreciating each other i mean it's your basic buddy cop formula And and this is probably the the highest uh, quality version of the buddy cop comedy. Episode. Yeah. You think so? The um, the first lethal weapon. Yeah. 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 What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I just know there's other 54. Where are you? Things like, like uh 48 hours, which I've actually never seen. Dude, where's my car? They're not cops. I do love dude. Where's my car though. Yeah. They're just buddies. They're just dudes. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I think you're, you're right that the relationship is where it should be, but I just am not sure what, else they could have done with that to to give them that that kind of banter and the the not me yeah maybe not antagonistic but the op- opposing points of view or whatever that they try to bring in here with leo gets um but you know they got to do something they I have guess. to do something i mean the Riggs character as you pointed out has lost his edge from the first yes, one he really has and that's such a cool character as like he's a former green beret who you know is basically playing Russian roulette with his life, you know? And uh, in this one, he's more like, hey, uh, the wife did the laundry for me? All right, I like everything again, (laughs) you know? Yeah, and then they try in that third act, as we kind of alluded to, to bring him back to that dark place, which to me was completely unconvincing. It's a very pro wrestling move. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know, like, I tried to be good, but you turned me bad again. Right, right. So, well, before we get to that, the plot, which is completely... nonsensical and sloppy and the first one is so good that's again what's frustrating the first one with the idea of like hey um murtaugh had a um someone he served with in vietnam and you know the war ended but they killed still kept shipping in heroin you know and um the guy was gonna talk so they kind of like killed his daughter as a warning and like he was in over his head it it really worked in that like kind of cop movie space and you know the fact that like there were scenes where like the two of them had to take on like 30 bad guys was believable the torture scene was really really uh epic you know i i thought the first one is 
like I said, top five all time action movies. Wow. So yeah. setting that up, now we can go to the plot with your Krugerans, buddy. So. Right. Yes. The the South Africans whose whose exact plan is never really clear or explained, but a bunch of guys working in the South African consulate are smuggling stuff. Drugs, I guess. I don't know if we ever see any drugs. I think it is drugs, though. Yeah, but also Krugerrands, which are gold coins, and a, and a car at one point that's conveniently in the thing with for the action. money for action. Yeah. So they're doing all this, and they're using diplomatic immunity, which as, as I was watching this movie, I was like, I don't know. Does diplomatic immunity really work this way, where you can just like openly murder a bunch of people, yeah. like with loads of witnesses, and then just say that, yeah. and it's all good? I don't think it works that way. Yeah, it was kind of. He kind of just used that as like you know. I mean, and he literally does after like all of his goons have like fired machine guns yeah. at Briggs and Murtaugh for like. 15 minutes and then they have him in their sights he holds up his little card and he's like diplomatic community and like no it does not work that way it's like dave you grew up on the east coast did you ever drive by the volkswagen beetle lots and play punch buggy oh yeah do you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah where you say punch buggy yeah but it used to be punch buggy no punch back and you punch him and then if someone punched you back he'd be like i said no punch back man you can't punch me back and it's like why why not right i said diplomatic community (laughs) you can't arrest me for all these murders (laughs) right Uh, dude i jinxed you and i private personed you so until i say jinx three times you're not allowed to talk you know yeah so that was really flimsy and, and also, like, their motivations to me were flimsy. Like, they were all actual diplomats. Like, why did they need to smuggle? This is what I mean. It was a much lesser version of the original. Yeah. The and original, then, good, solid, two-ply. Yeah. You know, this one, flimsy single-ply. Straight ply. up comparing these movies to toilet paper. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, Roger Ebert didn't get all the analogies, so I have to, you Okay, know, yeah. yeah. I remember being not particularly engaged in the plot of the first movie that really what what I remember about it is the relationship between the two and the the sort of emotional journey of Riggs as he's feeling suicidal. Sure, it carries all that stuff, but it like, but the, it all worked. Like, yeah. And this one, barely any of it. Yeah. I mean, and part of that was because there were so many rewrites and reshoots and including, you know, rewriting the story as they were shooting, which is a common Hollywood blockbuster thing, but it often leads to plots that don't make sense. Well, I mean, you know, so the historical aspect of it is Shane Black, you know, who was the wonder kid, the wunderkind yeah. of uh, script selling in like the late, in the mid to late eighties and the nineties. And, and like, who wrote the first movie? Right. And you know, you could go back and read articles about when he was making seven figures on like spec sales and stuff. him and Joe Esterhaus, I think those were yes. the two. Yeah. They were the big ones. Right. So he wrote the first one and they brought him back to write the second one. And he wrote a script with uh, called play dirty. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. yeah it was and- a Warren Murphy. Yeah, yeah, for, and ooh, their their ooh. script was talking about dark. It was very, I guess, more violent and involved yeah. Riggs dying at the end. Right, but I mean, even if even if they changed the ending, right? Like, I'm sure they could have. The whole thing was just dark anyway. Right. right, and I mean, to me, it doesn't sound like I would have enjoyed that oh, either. It sounds so awesome, man, dude. That that's the best part of the first is how dark it is, and like the comedy works in the darkness, and everything else does. And Shane Black says it's the best thing he's ever written, and he's written some 
excellent films. He has, know. of course. No one has read it though, so we can't really. Right, say for and sure. people like super fans have been looking at for it forever. But yeah, release the black cut. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to say it's the greatest if you don't ever have to show it to anybody. Well, but I mean, he's written enough good stuff where he doesn't have to. He's say written that, great stuff. Know, it so. just to me, the description of that doesn't sound like like I wasn't really into the like excessive hyperviolence of the first movie it was what i liked least about this movie and so a movie that like leaned into that more doesn't seem to me like something i would like. and i thought that was really worked in the first one and saved this one in yeah act three so to me like you said like now that these guys are like really good friends we have to go somewhere different and they chose to go like the ha ha he ha 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 right ha, we now. add in the comic relief leo gets character right and there's a lot of one-liners and things like that and in here. another way to go would have been to take it super you know revenge action you know darkness and- yeah but i mean even at this point these characters have become pop culture figures i mean you could you could liken it to like horror movie villains like freddy krueger gets more and more cartoonish and friendly as he gets more and more famous in those later movies and so these guys have to sell burgers through licensing deals and all that kind of stuff and so they're not going to make them even darker even though to me again by the end of the movie i was like these guys are murderers and should be locked up yeah they killed bad guys man i mean just with totally this is the way i feel about the bad boys movies as well uh having watched those people were shooting at them what did you want but even when people aren't shooting at them and and the whole third act as that uh review notes from uh the new york times like they're not authorized to do any of that stuff they just go after the people like proactively and kill them all I'm too old for this shit. He doesn't even say it in this one. He doesn't? I no, feel like he does. no, he doesn't. Can I just tell you, though, I love Danny Glover. Yeah. This gave me a new, a renewed appreciation for him. You know, I think people who uh, maybe discovered him a little later recognize his greatness from the uh, Wes Anderson films, you know? But I feel like he's really awesome in this. And I would, I, I, I should go back and look for more Danny Glover pictures. He's, he's been in a ton and this is yeah one thing i was gonna mention the legacy is that he's he's one of these guys who's extremely undiscerning yeah in his roles and so he's in like dozens and dozens of like terrible low budget movies well yeah i don't need to see all those but you know i mean he's done a lot of good work too. he has he has and he's good in this i mean they have great they're both good in it they have yeah. great chemistry and that's really what carries this movie um i do think like there's a lot of good action the car chases that those reviews mentioned especially the one where Riggs is hanging on to that like tow truck or whatever. Yeah, that is a really, really good action sequence. And and that stuff is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I think the best action was on the, you know, cargo barge or whatever. And the docks in act three when he, when he does, you know, for just like uh, kill the dude by dropping a freight container on him. That's, that's good old fashioned popcorn fun right yeah. there. No, I didn't like that whole sequence at all. And I mean, the way it's, like the the dislocating of the shoulder, which you mentioned as like an iconic thing that people remember, that's like so blatantly set up in that earlier scene. And then you gotta how do can, it, yeah. yeah, but but like how convenient that his bit is escaping from a straitjacket by dislocating his shoulder, and then the bad guys happen to try to kill him by putting him in a straitjacket I... and dumping him in the ocean. Hey man, don't don't blame Jeremy Boam, right? Yeah. For... For following the rule of Chekhov. Right. I, I just didn't buy it. And, and again, like more than that, that you can write off as blockbuster silliness. But to me, 
the retcon of deciding that these lame South African villains that we don't care about at all are suddenly now responsible for the death of Riggs's wife. Well, yeah, that was, that was, you know, again, that, that I agree with that. Yeah. that we didn't really need that. No. And, and part of the like pathos of the original movie is that he's so sad about it because it was this like meaningless random car accident and turning it into like some bad guys trying yeah. to kill her. And he missed it, you know, because right. he was working late and, but, uh, you know, and in the first one, there's where Murtaugh confronts, uh, I forget, the the dead hooker's father or model's father, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, who's who he finally, like, you have to tell me the truth. They have this awesome, like, meeting in this, like, beautiful location, and these helicopters swoop up out of nowhere and just pop, 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 start shooting. And it's like a breathtaking action sequence. And obviously, they tried to redo that here with... Uh, Riggs and Patsy Kensett's character after their night of passion, you know, yeah. where it's like, oh, Riggs is, uh, you know, his, his his trailers on the beach and like these helicopters come in and like they're now they're shooting at him. But the, you could tell that that is like a total difference. The first one is like, we're in a big meeting and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then just one shot, koosh, uh, boo, boo, boo. This one, it's like helicopters coming in. Cut two rigs and you know yeah, yeah they really built it up. Helicopters coming yeah. in closer. Cut two rigs and and it's like it's like you in some ways like you're talking about with the the shoulder like they beat you over the head with certain things in this film. They do, they do. I mean, it's not a subtle movie in any way. Like Leo gets, he, yeah, he's he they gets beat you beat over. over the, oh, well, they beat him in the head, but yes. he also beats you over the head. Right? Yes, he is very much a like. He's annoying. I mean, and he's supposed to be annoying to the other characters, but he's also annoying to watch. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Dave, you like Leo Getz? Not really. Okay. I, a little much, you know. Yeah. But he had his moments. You didn't love this movie, though, huh? I didn't. No. Oh, really you were just it. saying how much you loved them all. So you didn't like this? No, no. I said I loved them when I was a kid. But oh, but not anymore. Yeah, not really. Okay. I, I don't know. There, I was surprised how just overly dumb it all felt it, it is overly dumb yeah it doesn't age well no i don't i don't think so and i mean you just mentioned patsy kensett's character who's the the secretary to the south africans and that is just like a dreadfully conceived character she's such a thin character and then she's an 80s love interest yeah right? but it's just Basically. it's just pathetic i mean hot, and then they, they, hot blonde, they give her one nude scene and then and they kill like, her yeah. off it's horrible and as if Riggs is in Riggs's varsity right day. as if the revenge for his dead wife isn't enough they have to double down on it and kill this poor character that he had sex with so that he can like really just be in the whole revenge thing. Like it just to me, it was just so distasteful. They killed them both, Raj. Now I'm gonna kill them. Yeah. yeah. Riggs, what are you talking about? Yes. So yeah, like to me, up to that point, I was like, oh, this is okay. And once you get into that, that whole third act, I was just like, no. And I see, can't. to me, I was like, man, this is really dragging on like the first one, which is like a, a pleasure to watch and the total LA buddy cop movie. And then when they got to the action, I was like, oh, you saved the movie with this cool action. Scene. There is great action. Yeah, I mean, that, that's where it stands out. Yeah, I mean, to me, that 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 scene on the docks is not really the great action, but the car chases are great. There's multiple really good chases. The opening one, I, I thought I might have accidentally started it in the middle. I was like, is this, is this really how this thing starts? Well, I mean, the first one has a better car chase. Um, and, you know, the and it also has... Like we said, or I was saying, there's that scene where like Riggs is like, Raj, you you know, they kidnap his daughter and he's like, you want to get her back? You're going to have to do things my way. There's going to be dead people and we're going to just go at it. And like, 
they meet out in the desert in this patch and Riggs is like a sniper and you know Raj is just kind of like uh playing decoy but also you know part of the shootout and oh man that is an awesome action sequence right there yeah i'm not saying the action is better in this one but just that there is some good action and that was the stuff that i liked some of those action sequences the dynamic between the two guys but the third act i didn't like at all and the the whole plot is just complete mess yeah i like the same things as you but i also but the third act um and i think dave and i agree like kind of it saved the movie for me yeah i don't know i didn't i didn't feel like this movie was saved um unfortunately <laughs> that's yeah that's that scene uh where Riggs pulls the house down on his truck you that know? is a cool scene yeah it costs over five hundred thousand, which you know back then a lot of money to right because they pulled the real house down probably probably or at yeah. least built the house to pull down right the right so. yeah now we just do it with a cgi house and it wouldn't be as exciting. nah this is better yeah yeah, but overall, I mean, everyone, obviously there were there were some fans of this movie among our uh, listeners and social media followers, but I, we don't share their enthusiasm. You know, I would like them to go back and watch and tell us if, if they think we're right or if uh, they still agree with their opinion, if they're living off of the nostalgia of it all. Right. I mean, and this does seem like a movie that for people who watched it as kids or as teenagers, I mean, this is the kind of thing that at the time it would have been like, Oh, this is so cool. It's so badass," And that you look back on it and it's just, it doesn't really hold up. Yeah. I mean, it's got all those action elements has a, a a hot naked lady in there, you know, and, uh, and comedy and a a toilet bomb. And And a toilet bomb. Right. And And Joe Joe Pesci. Pesci, Yeah. We all said we liked. No, I, I did back in the day, back Back in the the day. day. That's true. Back in the day. Yes, that is true. And today, just not this one. Yeah. Yeah, I I think Joe (laughs) Pesci's a phenomenal actor, but yeah, it's not that he's not a good actor. I just, it's not a good character. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I agree. Not the best, although he got better as the film went on. I I mean, they struggle to make him also another like super sloppy plot thing is that, he doesn't at first appear to be related to the plot. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he is without really any explanation no, as to how no, or why. But exposition is like, yeah. And then I uh, ripped him off by doing this. Okay. 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 And then it's like, Oh, do you know where the house is, Leo? Of course I know where the house is. Okay. We'll go right now. Okay. And it's like, and it just turns out that the guys that he's was ripping off there. are the South. Well, and are the South Africans because yeah. he's introduced as like an entirely separate case. Yeah. Not related to the South Africans. And then all of a sudden he is without really ever acknowledging that. I think you are right, Josh. So yeah, let's rate this thing. Let's do that out of uh five, uh, I don't know. Krugerrands? Toilet bombs? Toilet bombs. That's better. Out of five toilet bombs, <laughs> what do you want to give Lethal Weapon 2? I, I get a Lethal Weapon 2. It just made it to the lower end of three toilet bombs for me. All right. It was going to be less than three toilet bombs. Uh-huh. But Act 3 Pushed got it, up it there? to the third toilet bomb. All right. I'm going to give it two and a half toilet bombs. It, it's just, yeah, didn't quite do it. Dave, what would you rate this? Since you actually saw it, how yeah. do you want to rate it? Isn't it nice um, you get to participate? I know. This is fun, guys. <laughs> uh, I'd probably have to agree with Josh on the two and a half. I think that's a good, solid rating for this. It's is not it? terrible. No, you know? it's not terrible, yeah. but it's 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 not great. Yeah. I th- it's interesting because I thought Dave and I had agreed on the <laughs> points of emphasis here. I but, agree with many things. With but, on the, that but on the on toilet the bombs. Right. Yeah. Not quite in sync. Yeah. You guys can, you know. 
jump into the cast iron bathtub together. Is that what it was or something? Yeah, yeah, with a bomb blanket over them. Yeah, something like that. All right, well, we'll come back then and we'll talk about the legacy of Lethal Weapon 2. Everyone, no matter how big a geek you are, has movies that they haven't seen that have other geeks saying, how have you never seen this movie? Well, we're here to help. At the Now You've Seen It podcast, we help you fill those gaps in your geek cred one movie at a time. Each episode, a guest who is watching the movie for the first time joins our rotating cast of hosts and panelists to discuss the movie and compare seeing it through fresh eyes versus seeing it with eyes filtered through the lens of nostalgia. You can find Now You've Seen It on Facebook at facebook.com slash now you've seen it, no apostrophe, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year in the season finale of our season on the films of 1989. The third season. Yes. And we didn't even quit in this episode yet. No, no. We keep going and maybe we'll even have another season. I think if uh, people listen to the epilogue coming up of this season, they might find out what it is. They might. But we've been talking about Lethal Weapon 2, our audience choice pick. And I mean, the legacy mainly, of course, of this movie is the continuation of the Lethal Weapon franchise into Lethal Weapon 3 and Lethal Weapon 4 and maybe Lethal Weapon 5. There's just been... And the TV show. And the TV show. But I mean, in terms of these like, these characters played by these actors and sort of this continuity, there's just recently, again, been talk about getting Lethal Weapon 5 going again, even though these guys are... I think Danny Glover's in his 70s at this point. He's too old for this shit. He was too old for this shit. <laughs> 33 years ago and is is really too old for it now and the audience is also too old for it Look, but you're wrong though the the legacy of this is leo gets oh my because God. in lethal weapon we are already established all these characters who had moved on and now this one was really the establishment of leo gets as a necessary component to all of the future lethal weapons although now he's retired so who knows yeah what but you know it wouldn't surprise me if they are now that Joe Pesci was in the Irishman and they, and Scorsese and De Niro could kind of team up and get him to come back. If Richard Donner and Mel Gibson and Danny Glover aren't planning to like, go have a meeting with Joe Pesci now and convince him to come back and play Leo Getz one more time. Or, you know, is there a young, uh, Leo Getz's nephew? Oh, by totally is going to be that. Who would, who would play that Josh? Oh, I don't know, but it's going to be terrible. Whoever it is. I don't know. Andy Samberg. No, because Leo. I, mean, I like Andy Samberg actually. I love Brooklyn Nine Nine, but I could see him playing Leo Getz Jr. I, I Leo Getz Jr. But J- Leo Getz, as annoying as he is, he's still Joe Pesci, the Italian Joe Pesci. Right. So I think the person, the actor, has to be a little more Italian. Did you have someone in mind to play uh, Leo Getz Jr. I didn't Jr.? because we're just talking about yes. It this right was random. We should have so. prepared a list of Leo Getz Jr. <laughs> yeah. candidates for anyone this podcast. Did? You got anyone? Write in and tell us who you think. <laughs> But no, I guess you're right. Sebastian Maniscalco. Yeah, he could totally do it. Um, But I think you're right. And that's a good point that the legacy of this sequel is Leo Getz. And not only that, but it's the idea that we have to add new comic relief characters. I've actually never seen Lethal Weapon 3, but I know in Lethal Weapon 4, they add Chris Rock as some other, another cop, I think. I don't even remember. I don't remember that. I do remember thinking, man, they are just here to make 
someone more annoying than Leo gets or something like that. Right? Yeah. Right. Cause those guys were old. So he was like, now I'm the young, you know, guy. You right. Know, right. And so really taking in this, this franchise in the more and more comedic direction and having wacky supporting characters and stuff like that. Yeah. Which, uh, and was there a Leo gets in the TV series? I feel like I should have looked that up. I never watched I the not. TV series. I watched a first, maybe two or three episodes to write a review when it first premiered. And I, I didn't care for it. it. It definitely didn't seem like they really captured because the truth is what makes these movies good. I mean, the writing from Shane Black, especially in the first one and the direction from Richard Donner. But really what makes these movies good is the dynamic between Mel Gibson and Danny yeah, Glover. They're, and they're you replace them with different people and it doesn't work. Yeah. They've tried so many. I mean, and I mean, if you want to talk about legacy, we've seen so many iterations of this buddy cop. Uh, film. I actually was writing one. Uh, I'm such a hack. Not too long ago with a friend, and it was a was it was it called a dangerous weapon? No, it was bad cop, bad cop. Well, yeah. no, we called it good cop, bad cop. And it was like an older, grizzled uh, Samuel L. Jackson type, uh, but who we had as very conservative, like right wing radio listener, and then he got paired with a very young millennial safe space white cop, and it was fun. It was a fun idea, but. Uh, like play dirty it only lives on in our minds yes <laughs> and it is like play dirty the greatest thing you've ever written and no one can read it <laughs> you are a wonderkind yes. you guys can read it if you want <laughs> yeah so the lethal weapon tv series though was quite popular briefly i mean it had its own like behind the scenes issues and Plain oh, Crawford, who played the Riggs character bad got bad behavior got yeah fired and but was replaced did damon wayne's wasn't it that he was talking, they were talking badly about each other, right? Yeah, they both behaved badly, but Clayne Crawford behaved worse because not only, I think that was, a, his issues were not only with Damon Wayans, but he also had a lot of issues with other people right. involved. And so he yeah. got the boot, but Wayans was not really behaving that well himself. And they ended up replacing Clayne Crawford with Sean William Scott, not as Riggs, but some random other character. So we were really taking it far beyond the idea of Lethal Weapon. And then it lasted one more season and was canceled. How about, uh... Danny DeVito in uh, Jumanji, The Next Level. What about that? <laughs> That's the last thing that I've seen that he did. I never watched it. Oh, that Danny Glover did. Oh, I said Danny DeVito. Uh, Danny, DeVito Danny. Is, Danny DeVito is also in yeah. that Jumanji yeah. movie. So, but I just thought this was just a random... Wow. Now this podcast is about Jumanji. <laughs> well, I think Leo gets Danny DeVito was uh, one of the names I read. Yeah, I could see it. that. Absolutely. But, being, uh, but that was the last thing... I mean, you know, he's, got, he's got a thousand things. Yeah, he, Danny Glover is one of these guys who he's like, he's like Danny Trejo or something. In fact, I was doing something. I can't remember what it was, but for some article I was writing or something that I was supposed to work on, I was, I was trying to find out like who is the most like prolific actor who we think of as someone sort of famous and, and well-known. Walking, and, right? It's and, not walking? I, I don't know, but I remember, I don't know what, I, what conclusion I came up with for this or even why I was doing it anymore, but Danny Glover was like right up there because he does so many movies that no one has heard of and he just churns them out constantly. Maybe he just wants to work, man. I mean, I sure he does. Or maybe like Nicolas Cage, he has, you know, some debts to pay off or something like that, but he does work a lot. He um, does. And Mel Gibson is back, but he's kind of like almost video level Mel Gibson now. Right. Yeah. So. He's up and down. I mean, some of his stuff gets bigger releases. I mean, he was Daddy's in like home. daddy's home. Right. And even that action movie he did a few years ago, blood father. I went and saw that in the theater. It was not bad. Yeah. Um, uh, I didn't drag it across co concrete who we, Dave and I are big fans of, uh, Oh, Craig Zoller, the yeah. director. Yeah. You know, people would say 
why are your movies 17 hours long? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I liked I liked Craig Zoller's first film, uh, Bone Tomahawk, and then he just, yeah, those movies are way I too I like long. the Cell Block 99. Yeah. Whatever. But, but Gibson is a good fit for working with Zoller, I think. And he does these kind of B-ish level action movies, but they're not like on the level of what Danny Glover is doing, where they're just like these really like tiny budget I mean, he's also movies. not... Doing Wes Anderson movies like Danny Glover. Well, when was the last time Danny Glover was in a Wes Anderson movie? Uh, you know what I remember is uh, going to uh, film show things and like there would be uh, like the trade magazines and you'd see like these movies that you will never ever see anywhere and Danny Glover would be on the, the posters of them. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's one of those guys that you can get and you can sell the foreign rights because he has a right. name. Yeah. Well, was, I mean, you know, we, we've talked about like those films like when we were growing up and video, you know, that like found their audiences on um, home video and the video store was switchback him and Dennis Quaid. Was that that one? Oh yeah. But that was a theatrical release. I know, but it got really big on video. Yeah. Yeah. But the ones that deed I'm talking about more now, or maybe in the last decade, the stuff that he does. And it's just like all nobody sees it. I kind of love him. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. Like it makes him a bad actor, but yeah. it does sort of take some of the sheen off of. It's not special to see him in a movie, I guess. Is no, what I mean. unless he's in a Wes Anderson movie, then it's I, special. I guess. Uh, well, you know how I feel about Wes Anderson, Josh. No one needs to know that because this is a podcast about Lethal Weapon. <laughs> Lastly, Richard Donner. I know they're always talking about sequels to this, sequels to that. If he never makes another movie, he's he's directed plenty of great films and also produced a ton. And you know he's. Big in the comic book industry as a was he like a consultant or a publisher? Oh uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, he so. was definitely a big uh, mentor to Jeff Johns, who's like one of the probably the top figure in DC in the I last th- 10, yeah, 20 years. I think the three of them have like the creative brain trust. There's one other person, yeah, and they have like the creative brain trust behind a lot of the DC stuff, or- right? I mean, and he hasn't directed a movie in a while, and his later career is full of movies that are not great. The, a lot of it's a lot of up and down stuff, yeah. But man, he gave us the Goonies. Oh, right. He and did. that's what I care about. So. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the Goonies. Well, you hate fun. As I do. That is so true. <laughs> I actually think I might go to Oregon this year because it's, uh, is it the 35th maybe or whatever? It's a big, it's, yeah, 85, right? So the 35th. It's, uh, so there's a huge uh, celebration, like three-day celebration I read about planned for, you know, Astoria. And uh, I think I might go to it. I awesome love the Goonies. movie year special report. There you go. Is, oh. is, is Richard Donner going to be there? I mean, they said that in the past, like him and like Sean Austin and some of these guys have shown up, but I love that that is still like, you know, I go to, I've been to Portland a couple of times, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) That that was the end of that? No, I just wanted to let that soak in. And, uh, you know, it's still such a um, tourist attraction. The The, Goonies stuff. Yeah, Yeah, the Goonies town and the house and all that stuff. Right, right. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and Richard Donner is still, he's he's 79 now, but he is attached if they theoretically make Lethal Weapon 5. He's supposed to direct it, so he's still... I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they're going to do it because those guys are old. They are all old, and I kind of hope they don't, but there has been surprisingly active talk of it. Yeah, of course. I mean, who needs an original idea? No, no. Original ideas are are garbage. Um, And even though Shane Black didn't actually end up writing the script, he is credited for the story here. And of course, characters. Yeah, he's he's done some he was out for a while and came back with some really great stuff that definitely has the lethal weapon feel to it. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang, and the nice guys, those movies. I like those movies more than the lethal weapon movies. Yeah. uh, I uh, you know, 
Richard Donner put out uh, his autobiography about a decade ago that's supposed to be great. Whenever the Shane Black autobiography comes out, sign me up to pre-order that one. All right. You hear that, Shane Black? You got one book order. I think he'll get more. Probably a little more. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take one, too. Okay. Two, two books for Shane Black. Yeah. We can. Uh, Will you read it? We can do it. All awesome right. We do movie. awesome movie your book club. Yeah. All right. Exactly. <laughs> Let's awesome do it. Book club. Yes. <laughs> um, any other thoughts on the legacy of this film? Nope. No? I'm 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 lethal weaponed out. All right. Well, we are not only lethal weaponed out, but we are in 1989 out just about because yeah. this is the last episode. It, we have our uh, epilogue coming up. That's right. We'll drop that and then. Um, and we will announce the next season on the epilogue. Yeah. I think so. In the meantime, uh, you follow us on the social media. Yeah. Um, Jason Harris comedy at uh, Facebook and, and uh, Instagram. Jason Harris, J Harris comedy on Twitter. Uh, the website, it's coming along, guys. Go for Jason.com. It's getting there. I mean, it's literally, it's up. It's just, it needs a facelift. <laughs> okay. um, and then, uh, you know, I think those are the things. We're awesome movie year. Dot com, awesome movie pod on Twitter and awesome movie year on Facebook and Instagram. We really got to work on the Instagram. Yeah, don't follow us on Instagram yet, really. We keep saying it, but I don't think there's anything. I want there. Dave to take over the Instagram. Just pictures of Dave on the Instagram? <laughs> Dave's hair. <laughs> yes, My dog. We've talked yeah. about it enough. I am at joshbellhateseverything.com. Josh Bell hates everything on Facebook and Signal Bleed on Twitter. And listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together. You can find Piecing It Together wherever you listen to this podcast and on social media at PiecingPod. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. On uh, that group today, someone had a post that it's Dave's podcast's birthday because a podcast is a living, breathing organism. I mean, it can be an anniversary. An anniversary would have been correct. This dumb idiot fat loser who's never showers and probably has oh Cheeto dust all over his hand doesn't know anything. insulting to the members Yeah, I don't of even know. I don't group. even know. I don't even know the person. I'm sure he's a Join lovely. the Facebook group full of nice people. I like I like all the people a lot there. of the nice yeah, opinions. Even Jason the boot tonight. Yeah. No. We want <laughs> the villain. Talk about awesome movie year on the on the Facebook group and don't say mean things to us. Well, listen and you know, if this guy takes a bath once in a while, All then right. <laughs> tune in next time for the epilogue of our 1989 season. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And all points west. 